In the holy name of Jesus, amen. Have you ever enjoyed being the rebel? The one who goes against the grain, the one who says, I'm not going to follow the beaten path, I'm not going to follow what is popular or trendy in society. I would love to say at times that we as the Lutheran Church have our foundation in being the rebels. Some would say that we rebelled against the Roman Catholic Church. We didn't do this in order to start a new church, but we rebelled with things like praying to the saints, paying indulgences, and somehow trying to earn our way into God's favor. I still say today that we are rebellious, because in the midst of everybody singing, it's the most wonderful time of the year, we come in here today and hear about strange and foreign things. The day is coming burning like an oven when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. It's the most wonderful time of the year. The day is coming that shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so it will leave them neither root nor branch. This doesn't sound very holiday-like. This doesn't sound very cheery. Doesn't even sound even at all happy. What Malachi and others, even Jesus today, are showing us in the midst of all of our focus on Christmas, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, the presents, the meal, the family, the friends, all of the nonsensical carols like I see mommy kissing Santa Claus. I can't stand that one. And all of the other Christmas music that we've heard since August, all of it continues to smother us with things that are shallow. Advent is rebellious. Advent says, despite all of the nature that we see outside today, with everybody being festive and lighting up their houses with the lights and everything else, Advent is rebellious because Advent, and I'm going to do it, wakes us up. You heard it again today in the call of the day. Stir up our hearts, O Lord. Wake us up. In the midst of Christmas, preparation and everything else, we generally don't think about Jesus coming to return and to judge the living and the dead. But nonetheless, that is what the prophet Malachi says, and that's even what Jesus says today in our gospel reading. There will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars, and on earth the distress of nations in perplexity, because of the roaring sea and the waves, people fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world. It sounds like Black Friday at Walmart. But it's even worse. Fainting, foreboding what is coming on the world. The power of the heavens will be shaken and they will see the coming of the Son of Man in a cloud with power and great glory. And what does Jesus say at the end? Stay awake all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all things that are going to take place because you will stand before the Son of Man. 
How do you feel like you are going to stand before Jesus on the last day? We've been hearing about it for the last umpteen weeks with the end of the church year and the beginning of the new church year. With Advent, we begin with the end of all things. Yes, it does anticipate Christmas, but it also greatly shows us that Christ will return to judge the living and the dead. And as Paul said today in the book of Romans, whatever was written in the former days is for our instruction that through endurance and through encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. We might have hope to stand before the Son of God in righteousness and blessedness. But when you look at yourselves and I look at myself, and when you see and I see all of the sins that we have done against each other and against ourselves, we look at this with great fear and foreboding. None of us deserves to stand before the Son of God. All of us deserve to be wiped out, obliterated because of what we have done against God and of what we've done with each other. How many of us have seen and even participated in making the Christmas season all about ourselves? You know the commercials where somebody walks out on the driveway and sees a $90,000 car with a bow on it? That's what you need in the midst of inflation, high gas prices, and whatever else. And somehow, some way, if we don't get this, we don't get that electronic gadget pad or whatever else it is, it's going to be disappointing. But nonetheless, notice what Paul says here today. Do not be weighed down by the dissipations of this life. Actually, Jesus also points to us with that as well. Don't be weighed down with all of the cares of this life. Be, be looking for the end to come soon because everything has been fulfilled. And yes, when we think about ourselves, the things that we just confessed, the things that I have done and left undone, this should bring us great fear. It should bring us great foreboding. It should look upon us and say, you don't deserve to stand in front of the Son of Man on your own. That is why Jesus says, don't let your hearts be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness, and the cares of life. Christmas is all about the cares of life, is it not? What's on your list? What are you hoping for? Santa even sounds a little bit like Jesus, even though he's not. He knows when you are sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows when you've been bad or good, be good for goodness sake. But really, in Advent we say, you better watch out, you better not cry. Jesus Christ will come to return and to judge the living and the dead. But in the midst of all of that, we do have hope and we do have peace. A very dear friend of mine in South Carolina was a chiropractor. And I went to him all the time, 
because he was a good friend and he worked on clergy for free. He was a great chiropractor. He and his wife were great chiropractors, very devout Roman Catholics. So they always gave back to the clergy of the community. And one day when I went into his office, I can't remember what year it was, the office was packed. And I looked at him and I said, Frank, your office is packed way more than I think I've ever seen it before. And he says, yeah. He says, I don't know where all these people have come from. But he says, they all have the same problem. Their neck and their shoulders are on fire. And even some of their lower back. And I said, well, is something going around? Is there some sort of, you know, bacteria or disease that's causing this? And he said, no. He says, I have an assumption and I don't know if it's true or not. This was around the time when the smartphone became popular. And he simply said, when I go out to the waiting room, everybody is like this. They're slumped over. They're slouching down and their face is glued to the screens. And then they come in the back and they say, I don't know why my neck and my shoulders hurt so much. And he says, one of the things that I tell people is that when you are using that phone, don't sit down, stand up, and hold it in front of your face. And he says, lo and behold, when people start to do this, I don't see them that much anymore. When we think about all of the electronics and all of the apps and all of the Google and everything else that's out there today, think about how much our faces are glued to our screens. Think about what happens if you leave the house without your phone. Heaven help me. Talk about being under great fear and foreboding. What am I going to miss on Instagram, TikTok, what am I going to miss in terms of my friends texting me or calling me? Think about how much religious observation we give to our phones. Mine's sitting right in my pocket as I sit here and talk to you today. If I don't have it there, I feel like I don't exist. What if we had that great dedication and that looking forward to Christ? What if we had that great dedication to hearing his scriptures, to receiving his sacraments on a regular basis? What if we had the daily practice of spending just an ounce of that time praying, not only for yourself, but for everybody else in this world? It's hard. Jesus says today, Pray at all times. Paul talks about praying at all times in 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Pray without ceasing at all times. Be awake. Watch yourself in all of these things because the end is coming. Now you might say, well, I can't really pray all the time, Pastor. I do have to sleep at night. I do have to eat my meals and go to work and everything else. But you cannot pray at all times without the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that's been poured out for you richly and freely by Jesus' death on the cross. 
When Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? When Jesus cries out from the cross, it is finished. Scripture tells us he gives up his spirit. That is the first day of Pentecost. That is his spirit going out throughout all of the world. You have a Roman centurion who speaks by faith. Truly, this was the Son of God. And as his message from the scriptures continue to go out, that he is crucified because of all of your sins, and he's crucified because he wants to take away your sins, as he has now redeemed you, a lost and condemned creature, you have peace. Peace that passes, yes, all of our understanding. Peace that forgives, but peace also that guards you in anticipation for the last day. It sounds like with today's readings that we want to cower like we want to hide. But you'll notice what Jesus says here today. He will come upon you in the midst of all of these things. Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up. Raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Instead of being slouched over, in great fear and anticipation of this day or foreboding of it, Jesus says on the last day, you will stand up, you will straighten up with great and perfect posture, and you will say, Amen, Amen, come Lord Jesus, and here is his victorious kingdom coming to you. It first came when he was born, it came when he was crucified for you, it comes to you this day, in the hearing of the forgiveness of all of your sins. And in a just a few short moments at this altar, after the words of institution and the Lord's prayer and everything else, you see me hold up the cup and the bread. And I'll say to you those words that you often have heard. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Now that's not the peace of Warring countries now getting along. It's not a peace treaty. The only peace that truly matters is the forgiveness of sins. And when we hold up this, when we hold up Jesus' body and blood, we are saying he is now here. Come and receive the forgiveness, the strengthening of faith, and the peace that is poured out through his body and blood for you. He is not angry with you. He's not going to smite you and destroy you on the last day. He's going to look at you and he's going to welcome you. He's going to come and say, come you who are blessed by my father, receive the inheritance prepared for you since the foundation of the world. Come and receive all the richness and glory and the truth and the revelation of my kingdom all for you. So yeah, we do rebel against the Christmas season in a sense. We'll have it in a couple weeks, don't worry. But we do this to go against the grain of all the commercialism and all of the fantasies of getting that perfect gift under the tree. It's already been given to you by him who was crucified to the tree and who rose again three days later to promise you life salvation, and above all, his peace. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus, come quickly.
To Christ alone be the glory forever and ever. Amen. <laughs>